welcome everyone to the Ambitious Strength Podcast. I am here with my wonderful wife, Rachel, and owner of Basin PT and Wellness. And we are going to chat about bracing because it's something we've seen a lot of issues in. Um, but with Rachel's expertise in pelvic floor therapy, uh, I wanted to bring her on and chat with her a bit more about it so we could get a more coherent plan for more people to be bracing better. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm hoping also to bring my expertise from teaching anatomy to the physical therapy students at Simmons to kind of round out the picture here a little bit and give us a deep dive into the anatomy and how it all works. Nice. Well, we're excited to have you. And Pemi is here as well. This one isn't a videoed one. This is going to be a first part in a series. We're planning for three. We might end up with four, five, six, who knows, with Rachel and I. But this will be the first part in a series. And today we're going to discuss, obviously, the purpose of a brace, uh, the anatomy involved that's going to be on Rachel. We're going to talk about what's called the piston mechanism, which is, uh, you know, how we, the physics behind bracing and, and why we do it. Um, and the, building the brace, which is something that uh, a concept that I've started to build uh, myself and understanding that we don't need to be bracing 100% all the time. But we'll get we dive a bit deeper into these four topics today for part one of the series. We'll start with the purpose. Uh, what is the purpose of the brace? Well, the brace occurs in the core, and the purpose of the core is to essentially house your organs and to transmit force. Um, a lot of the muscles in your torso and that are involved in a brace are not super powerful muscles. They're meant to be um, stabilizers or, you know, uh, endurance-based muscles, right? They're meant to work for a long period of time under a low-intensity threshold, um, which is sometimes why we see problems with the brace, because it's not a low intensity. Uh, if you're bracing, it's not usually low intensity that you're lifting. It's usually pretty high intensity. So the purpose of the, the brace is to transmit force. In the squat, you have the bar on your back and you're essentially stabilizing it through your upper body with the lower body doing the most of the work. And we, we need to be able to transmit the force from our upper body that is making contact with the bar from our legs that are making contact with the floor to uh, be able to produce the most force into the bar and therefore move the bar uh, without any sort of energy leaks as the the field likes to call it. With your bench, you're using your upper body to press the bar, but um, we've all heard about leg drive and how important leg drive is in the bench. And what your core does and your brace does is transmit that energy from your lower body that you're producing from your lower body, your legs into your upper body so that you can essentially press with more force. Uh, and same thing with the deadlift, the bar is attached to your hands and you need to produce some sort of rigidity or stiffness through your torso so that it, the bar doesn't fold you in half as you press through the floor to pick it up. And that's the major purpose. It's literally to transmit energy. Uh, and just because we're talking about rigidity right now, and I'll dive a bit more into this later with building the brace, um, we don't always want to brace 100%. And sometimes we do need to um, have some rotation or flexibility in the core, but there's a particular circumstance for that. I'm going to start with anatomy. Definitely. <clears throat> so 
With the anatomy, the way that we think about the core and the center of our thorax or our trunk is as a canister. And so a lot of times when I'm teaching pelvic floor patients about bracing, I'm talking to them about building that canister and giving it a strong base. So if we think about the anatomy, your pelvic floor muscles will sit within your pelvis and they're shaped like a bowl, okay? And so as you contract your pelvic floor muscles, that bowl is going to rise to help support all of your abdominal organs and make sure that things like your colon and your urine stay inside your body. So as you contract, those muscles are going to lift. Now our diaphragm is shaped like an upside down bowl, okay? So the bottom of the bowl is facing up towards the lungs. And as you breathe in, your diaphragm is going to descend. And this descension of your diaphragm creates that negative pressure within your lungs, which allows your lungs to take in air. So if we're thinking about the impact of the diaphragm and the pelvic floor then on our internal organs, as we breathe in, the diaphragm will descend and that is going to push your organs down towards the pelvic floor. As you breathe out, the diaphragm is going to rise as with elastic recoil, that air is going to leave the lungs and your organs are going to be allowed to then rise up again with the diaphragm. And so a lot of patients who come to me actually talk about how in yoga and Pilates, they're taught to breathe in and contract their pelvic floor together. But what happens when you breathe in and contract your pelvic floor is you're lifting from the bottom and compressing from the top. And that's really putting a lot of pressure on your abdominal organs. And so when we're talking about this piston mechanism that Amber mentioned earlier, the piston mechanism tells us that as we're doing deep breathing or working on relaxation exercises, when you breathe in, your diaphragm for your lungs will descend, and so your pelvic floor should relax. As you breathe out, your pelvic floor should rise with the diaphragm, and you are allowed to breathe out. And so this piston mechanism tells us that breathing in, everything will descend towards the pelvic floor, and your pelvic floor will stay relaxed. And as you breathe out, your pelvic floor will contract and help lift all of that back up towards the diaphragm and towards the lungs. So we take advantage of a piece of this when we are bracing. And so Amber's talked a lot about bracing previously with first starting to exhale that air. So if you're exhaling all of your air, your diaphragm is rising up, you should then as you're exhaling your air, engage your abdominal muscles. Your abdominal muscles wrap all the way around from your belly button all the way to the spine. They attach on a structure called your thoracolumbar fascia, which helps to really stabilize your thoracic spine and your lumbar spine. So as you breathe out, you're contracting your core muscles, you're pushing all of that air out as much as you can, and you're also lifting and squeezing the pelvic floor muscles. With the lift and squeeze of the pelvic floor muscles, you are setting that bottom of your canister. You're making sure the base of the canister is nice and stable. And then you're making sure that the, the surrounding or the sides of your canister are stable by engaging your core. So once you've breathed it all out, you're engaging the pelvic floor and the core and creating this strong base. Then what you're going to do is keeping your core tight. You're then going to breathe in and try to inflate the belly against this tight core. All that's doing then is taking that diaphragm with your lungs and compressing everything down in your abdomen, including your abdominal organs. 
Now, we need to have this strong base because if we start to pressurize that canister, but we have a leakage or we have a weak point in our pelvic floor, that's when we see things like urinary leakage on the platform. So by creating this stable base in the bottom of the canister, as we breathe in, we are just pressurizing the whole system and our pelvic floor and core are maintaining that pressure to give us that rigidity and stability for the exercises we were just discussing. The biggest piece that folks miss here is they'll often take this big gigantic breath in and they're lifting their shoulders and they're losing that tight core position. And then all they're doing is inflating a canister with a weak point in the pelvic floor or a weak point in the core. So making sure you're building a really stable base through the bottom of your canister in that pelvic floor or in those core muscles together then when you take that breath in and you pressurize all of those organs, you've created a really stable base, utilizing your anatomy to its best. Nice. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah, that of course. Very helpful. Uh, on the other hand, too, there are people who just take this big breath in without, and then begin some energy leaks. There are other people who tend to, this doesn't mean like suck it in and be as skinny as you possibly can yeah. when you're exhaling, right? Uh, and I think that is a big issue that a lot of people run into. And that's what forces people to kind of have that, um, like if you were to throw a Frisbee at a can and knock it to the side, the dent that it would have in the front, think of that as someone's abdomen, that they get this like almost like sucked in big rounded back, right? Uh, and that is going to create some energy leaks. I know if it, there's, this covers social media, so you put a can down, a can that's intact, you can place a 35 pound plate on it and it won't collapse. Mm -hmm. But the second we have that dent in, like I threw a Frisbee into it, it, it the second we place uh, any sort of external load on that can, it's just going to crumble. Uh, so just thinking about, you know, less thinking about sucking in. And what I think about is like standing tall and just creating a nice stacked position uh, without even, you know, thinking about my brace. Like I'm just making sure that my shoulders are over my hips uh, and then I get that nice deep exhale. Uh, but uh, one cue that I've I've had a lot of uh, success sharing with clients is when you do that exhale is to give uh, like you're fogging the mirror, or the mm -hmm. glass in front of you, um, because that will prevent you from from kind of crunching down and using your rectus abdominis to to create that tension. And you'll use more of your obliques and your transverse abdominis, like Rachel was saying. Uh, which and this kind of leads me right into building the brace because I I quite literally start with just stacking my shoulders over my hips. Uh, I get a an inhale and then a subsequent nice deep exhale where I engage my pelvic floor and I I draw my TA in and, and get my obliques on and then from there is when I start to breathe into that brace and build pressure. I take one but moderate breath where I feel like I can build, you know, 10, 30%. And if, if something doesn't feel right up to that point, I go and I restart. And I'm, I'm always starting from the starting point of start stacked, exhale my air, feel my pelvic floor, feel my core, and then inhaling into that. Like I have a balloon inside me and I'm literally just trying to inhale the balloon inside of my thoracic cavity while keeping everything else intact. Uh, and, and that's the best approach that I've had to, to bracing, especially in the, the big three or something that we need, you know, the, the big intense movements we need more bracing for. 
with that being said, there are levels of bracing and there are instances where you don't want to be bracing as hard as you can. Like if I am hitting 135 for my deadlifts when my max is, is 380, I'm not walking up. I'm treating 135 like it's 380, but I'm not walking up to the bar and bracing as hard as I possibly can uh, because A, that's going to draw some energy away from my max effort attempts when I have to do that. But it's more or less about me just kind of settling in this routine. I will get stacked. I will set my exhale and maybe I'll only inhale that 30% and, and feel 30% of the pressure in my abdomen. Uh, but I know that that is just something that I'm going to build upon every set. And by the time I, I get to my top sets, it's I'm a well-oiled machine and it doesn't take me four tries to, to reset and build my brace. When, when we also talk about athletes, um, especially like rotational athletes, Bracing also isn't ideal because they do need to use their core to mm -hmm. transmit rotational force. Uh, so their bracing for a sport uh, other than a strength sport is a bit different than um, powerlifting or lifting or all of that. Absolutely. Because if you're thinking about the way that core is engaging, when we're talking about more of our strength athletes, that core is really meant to stay stable and it's really mm -hmm. meant to just create that perimeter and create that strong base for us. And so it's certainly going to change when someone's doing more of a rotational. Yeah. And my lifts have completely jumped up since I've really focused on my bracing. Yeah. It's, it's given my body the ability to maximize its potential uh, in every place. And so, um, just using this like levels of bracing has also really helped so that I don't burn out and I'm not tired of, of bracing or feel like, you know, I've, it's been a breathing practice for two hours after I'm done lifting. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so at a future, um, part of the series, we're going to be talking about belts. And I think with that belt conversation, we can talk quite a bit too, mm -hmm. as how we're going to use the brace with the belt. I think a lot of people will use the belt in place of the brace. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really meant to be a tool to help us build that brace. And so we're going to get into that. That's a little bit of a teaser for, um, the next session for this series. And we hope you guys will join us for that. Yeah. All right. Thanks all for joining. We'll chat soon.